If you look around, there are so many ways to make a difference. At Capella University, our FlexPath format gives you a different way to earn your degree. Take courses at your speed. Move on whenever you're ready. Education should fit your life. Learn more at capella.edu. It is photo country time. And this is your host, Rajiv. This is the show we talk to photographers. Today, we've got a great show for you. I talked to Tim D. Film, a local photographer. You can find his work on timdfilm.com or his Instagram handle, Tim D. Film. If you're in Avondale, do check out the poster boards on the main street. He has some amazing portraits that he took on his 4x5. His work is massively influenced by his early skateboarding years. He is passionate about his art. And I had a great time talking to him. So here is Tim D. Film. Morning, Tim. Thanks for coming on the show. No problem. Great, great. So just to start off the program, I was just looking at some background about you. Just do some research for this interview. And I saw your website, which is timdfilm.com. And there in your uh, About Me page, you're saying making pictures is something that I have to do. It's not a hobby or a profession. It's a necessity. The feeling of making a picture, I think, looks great. Here's the dragon I can't stop chasing. So, yeah, when did you start chasing the dragon? Well, yeah, that was actually a bio for a, a magazine I had a photo in. And, you know, you have to write bios. And I think as Kiwis, we have that tall poppy syndrome. And it's really difficult to up ourselves. I just wrote about my passion with that with that bio. And I've just stuck with it. But I started chasing the, the dragon, I suppose, is um, skateboarding. When I was a kid, we grew up skateboarding around the local schools and I grabbed my grandmother's camera which was a point and shoot and um, believe it or not it was a MJU which is now the most popular film point and shoot for the new generation of kids coming up so basically there was a delay with the flash so I had to take the photo a second a second earlier for to get the action and wait to get the film back to see if I'd, I'd timed it right we used to go to the supermarket and where the chewing gum is that's where the film used to be you probably remember too and um, I used to love that Kodak black and white color process stuff so those were, those were my sort of initial um, steps into photography and it wasn't until I was about 18 that I was actually heavily into writing um, graffiti and um, at the, the same time I had a studio space when I was doing graphic design with a friend and he was a working commercial photographer and then I took it a bit more seriously and I got an entry-level DSLR and I started just photographing my friends painting at nighttime on the train tracks and getting up to a bit of mischief but I, I loved the intensity in the photos eh? because um, I always say there's not many other photos that you might risk a night in the jail cells for so there was some excitement <laughs> in those photos <laughs> and, and the action and, and all that was great and then um, as I shifted out of that space a lot of people from that background had become artists and I started documenting artists and their practices was the next chapter in that discovery of photography and I was fortunate along the way being part of a creative community so a lot of my friends who were already photographers handed down a lot of knowledge to me on just the technical aspect of using the camera um, right. which is still always a learning process there's always new things to learn and new gear that does certain things that you, you might want to try out right yeah, so it's still a journey, I suppose, eh? Yeah, right. 
So are you primarily a film uh, photographer or a digital? What's your... No, I think that the perception is because of what I share that I am, but I, I actually shoot digital as well. I shoot both. I definitely have been more heavy on the film side. Basically, I learned on a digital camera and then I got really frustrated that I couldn't afford a full frame digital camera. And this was, um, I would say this was about 2006 or seven. This was a time when the film cameras were just like, they were almost being thrown in the trash. It was all the digital jump over. So I ended up just getting a Canon 1N, which was the, the one DX of 1994, you could say. The best camera on the market for about 300 bucks. And um, my girlfriend's dad taught me how to develop black and white. I hadn't ever, at my high school, I didn't stick around to the final year, which was when you got to do photography. So I never got to do school darkroom stuff or anything. But so that, that was really exciting. And But it wasn't till COVID that I actually got heavily back into film because um, some friends of mine had set up a darkroom space and I'd been digital for a while then. And then basically, you know, we had breaks between lockdowns. And so I was going there and I was developing and printing. And then we had another lockdown and I, I can't, it was a mini level three one. And I said, well, there's no way I'm going into another lockdown without my own darkroom. We sort of gathered all the bits and pieces off, like the guys at Toy Torama helped me out with an enlarger. And then I got some various pieces off of um, Trade Me. And so then it, it kind of spiraled from there. And then I went and collected 35, 120, and now I'm shooting 4x5. So it's, it really opened a can of worms. It's interesting you say can of worms because that's exactly what another photographer told me because I, I always shoot natural light. I never got into flash because I yeah. didn't know anything about it. So I finally went and got a speed light and I told him, hey, awesome. you got a speed light. You, you need to tell me. And now you opened up a whole can of worms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Totally. It's exciting though, eh? Yeah, yes, think, it is. Um, it's Yeah, it's like my new toy. <laughs> the lighting yeah. with off-camera lighting is just, it's so dynamic, eh? Like right. natural natural lighting when nature aligns is incredible. But um, yeah, the, my introduction to flashes were at my gallery in a studio space on Upper Queen Street and uh, a bunch of artists were in there and my friend had his speed lights from his skateboard photography day. And so I would just have a backdrop set up and the speed lights out and whenever someone came in, I would document like a portrait of them and I ended up with this incredible sort of body of work of all the creative community of Auckland at the time. What do you like shooting best like is it people or is it people in their environment or what is it that catches your eye? I've always been driven to shooting people. I do appreciate a good landscape but every time I have taken a photo of a landscape I just wish there was a person in the frame to make it more interesting so people's definitely my interest like I'm just interested in creative people and communities is just what I like to document. What is it about that people that drives you? Is it just static portraits because the work that I see is very dynamic a lot of movement is it driven by your skateboard graffiti days? It's funny, I was talking to someone about this last night too, where it's both, I enjoy a posed portrait in a natural environment, and I also enjoy a candid photo of someone in their environment or street photography. And So it's, it's a good mix. It's like when people say, do you prefer film or digital? I, I prefer, there's an application for everything, right? And um, so yeah, I prefer a mix of people in their natural habitat and people posing because I mean, how is it with a still image of someone you can see this, not their soul, but you can see the energy, right, in a, in a pose picture? So that's what I really appreciate about good portraiture. So tell me something about the heroes that who have influenced your work 
in a pretty significant manner. Basically, when I was a kid, I was learning I was super influenced by skateboard photographers. And to some degree, I still am. There's some incredible people and they shot the lifestyle behind skateboarding were my favorite ones, whether it's in a, in a van or smoking weed in a motel or just that kind of like nomadic lifestyle that comes with being a, a pro skateboarder. But recently, as I've matured, I, I've really studied the lineage of like new, famous New Zealand photographers because for a small country, we have just created some incredible photographers and um, particularly in the 70s and 80s. So if anyone's listening and wants to look them up, I think everyone should see the work of Arne Zwestra. She's still alive and she's represented by a gallery in Wellington in Auckland. She was from Europe, but she had this outside perspective of Māori and she documented Māori culture before it had really been seen by Palangi from the inside. So she, she created a controversial book called Wash Day at the Pa and it was really heavily criticised because it showed like uh, rural Māori living conditions which at the time was a bit shocking to people who hadn't seen it and people didn't get that it was only one family's perspective or one community's perspective so it, it kind of got blasted for showing maybe some difficult living conditions it's, it's that thing with documentary photography eh? it's just an honest portrayal of a, a community living and, and there's nothing there's nothing overtly racist about that work at all but yeah Anza's work's amazing and Robin Morrison is amazing too he kind of he lived in Ponsonby and he just traveled a lot in his car and documented just all over New Zealand his work's really broad and beautiful some amazing photos of Ponsonby Road like you wouldn't believe you know like just color and all the stuff that's not on Ponsonby Road now that I find really fascinating to look at. what's your process like how do you approach any project just take me through it how does that work I'm really fortunate just to be part of Auckland's creative community it's a super small space when you're involved in it but it's a space that um, I suppose much like any other art scene like I generally gravitate towards other artists so I'll know a tattooer and then I'll know a sculptor and then I'll know many other photographers or so if I want to shoot their portrait it's pretty much as simple as asking them and arranging a either an environmental situation or a location and meeting them there and, and, and shooting it otherwise I'm might be invited into a space whether it's a tattoo event or a kickboxing fight or just someone wants something documented i really enjoy documenting my friends families is another thing that i've been getting into i don't share a lot of it but one of my first photo memories is my parents had photo albums right like like they, they've had my existence pretty well documented till about 10 or something just because still got the big stacks of photo albums so i get a real high off creating i call them um, multi-generational images so if a friend of mine is having a baby and I take a photo of mum, dad and baby, that baby could have grandkids one day and they could right. be seeing this photo I've made. I remember growing up, my father had a, a shoebox full of those tiny uh, square, square ones, ones with the rounded corners and yeah. they're like sepia. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah, my parents have a lot of those too. Yeah, one friend of mine, she lost her son's whole first year of it his life because it was all on her iPhone and she lost all the images on her iPhone. But I had taken some photos for them and I had like, this was when I was shooting a lot of digital, so it was very trigger happy as you, you do sometimes with digital. And so there's a couple of hundred photos that she wouldn't have, you know, barely any memories of her son's first year of his life if I hadn't taken. So yeah, especially when it, printing out your images is important, but especially important when it comes to your children. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and specifically I want to talk to you about the Avondale project because this is a show in Avondale and I want to specifically talk about that and, and hope this to more people. So awesome. can, yeah, can you tell us how this project happened and 
and what those portraits are about. Yeah, so my friend Tom Scott, he is a pretty prolific musician from New Zealand and he's from Avondale and he kind of flies the, the Avondale flag and wears his heart on his sleeve. So he's super passionate about it. I think after being in Melbourne for a few years, he ended up back in Avondale. And so yeah, a lot of his music is about Avondale. And we were just collaborating on something for his new album and uh, the poster opportunity. Um, I think he's got a relationship with Dane from I Love Avondale and he, he mentioned doing it. And so I just got into 4x5, which was influenced by a friend here in Lowe who set up the darkroom and he shoots four by five and he sort of was a very generous friend with his gear so he let me have a go and then I've just basically been copying all his gear as soon as I lend it I give it back and then I have to buy it and so I just decided to shoot it all on four by five which for those who don't know is the sticky head under the cloak take one to six frames max you're going to shoot um, most of the subjects I only shot two frames of so yeah that that was a really good sort of head first way to get into shooting four by five and there's just a depth to the legs that is just beautiful we're talking about process about approaching subjects is you know if you have a rolleiflex or a 4x5 camera people are really interested in it because it's yeah it's just unique to see someone out there with a camera on a tripod so it's a great way to draw people in the, the rolleiflex too is a down you look down into it yeah. and so quite often i'll get my subjects um interested in by showing them you know what's that oh that's a camera look look down into here oh cool oh can i take your photo and it's like oh cool yeah and usually i do try and grab their email so i can get a send them the photo so i'm not just taking a nice photo of themselves afterwards so yeah that that's what started it and we just went around maybe probably about four sessions four different times where we just kind of walked up and down and approached people and and tom's knowledge of the community came in handy too because oh, we'll go get Christine from the Salvation Army who was one of my favorite portraits she's a um, she's a beautiful soul and it turns out she actually used to work in a color processing film lab in Africa it was one of her first jobs so she had some cool stories about that and yeah so we just kind of built it till we had enough portraits to fill fill the, fill the frame so yeah it's pretty special as well as an outsider everyone was super welcoming of me to their community which I really found quite special i think with documentary photography i've added a new motto to my byline of my new sort of uh way of thinking of it is documented respectfully and presented honestly with love because um photography is a fine line especially as a, a white male of exploitation versus appreciation and i'm not trying to exploit anybody with my work i'm really just trying to document life in 2021 or and and present it and preserve it for the future so, you know, I really appreciate the people of Avondale for, for sort of just, you know, opening their hearts to me. It was, yeah, it was super cool. A couple of questions before we close. You do a lot of street documentary photography. Has sh shooting in film versus shooting in digital, I mean, is there a difference or it, does, it doesn't really matter to you? Oh my God. Yeah, it's totally different, eh? Yeah. This is my other inside joke is that I like to say, I like to make things as hard on myself as possible. And yeah, film photography is definitely that way. I don't shoot a hell of a lot of street photography with my digital camera. I recently was given like a mirrorless camera tryout. And it's funny, I don't even have autofocus on any of my cameras. I'm walking around like surveying the light. I don't have light meters in any of my film cameras either i'll survey the light get the highlights and the shadows and then i'll walk around with that kind of knowledge so if i see something and i and it's half i want to go halfway between the lights and the darks quickly adjust the aperture and the shutter speed and pull focus and hope you get the moment and but man when you hit the moment it's it's really you just can't beat it out I'll, I'll tell you one story about a perfect storm and that i was walking up in the city at 
just like a slight incline and there was this guy walking up with his pram and his kid and there was a balloon just floating it was quite euphoric you know this balloon was floating and there was a rather eccentric street guy and he was smiling and he grabbed the balloon and he goes to give it to the kid and I managed to just bam and I and then going home to develop it just yeah just the feeling of hitting that six day eh? like, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true it, it was a sort of a, a 0.5 of a second moment in time that i managed to with all the analog steps capture so that's street photography with a with an analog and a tip i feel that rangefinder cameras tlr cameras lesson i feel like a big dslr to the general public maybe they feel a little bit exploited with or it's a little bit of an unnatural feeling i mean when i had a 5d and a 24 to 70 a few years ago it is a sort of you stick that in someone's face who's not in front of you know not comfortable being in front of a camera and yeah you can see how maybe people think maybe you have an ulterior motive with it or people just are a little bit anxious so mm. with the rangefinder you kind of have half your face still showing and with the tlr especially you know tlr is a really anonymous thing because people kind of don't even look at you twice when you don't have this sort of thing covering your face you know and it's more intimate I guess. I mean, those kind of cameras. I mean, yeah. that's the one thing about even the phone cameras. It's people are so used to people taking pictures on the phone. They don't even yeah, yeah. care anymore. Yeah, so I think they, just in general, people are more used to being photographed now. So that, I think that helps everybody, every photographer in some sense, because we're all just being documented, whether it's on CCTV or with phone cameras or anything. So that's, I think, made our jobs easier. Like people are just a little bit more used to being photographed. What will be your few words to a budding young photographer who's just getting to what will you say to them i think you can tell success for someone who's willing to work hard don't expect it to happen overnight doing this for 14 years and nothing yeah like i said nothing happens overnight basically my best advice is just to work hard i think i'm around a lot of creatives and those people who work hard they're the, they're the ones that are going to be successful and there's a famous saying in basketball too, and it's like hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And that's another theme that I see in my life. I see a lot of really talented people who take their talent for granted and don't grind on it and don't work hard. So just, yeah, just never give up. Don't let issues with self-esteem hold you back and just keep grinding till um, you achieve your goals. And I don't think success, it's not till you look back on it that you realize how far you've come. Like suddenly you're like, oh, well, I, I mean, when I couldn't afford a full frame digital camera, when I got a 5D, I was like, oh, five years later, I finally have this thing that just seems so unachievable when I was a broke 18 year old. Like, so yeah, just back yourself and work hard. I suppose that's my advice to any artist. Thanks, Tim. That was great. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks uh, so much. I, I just want to say, I am just really appreciate like getting to share my passion. I eh? like, yep. I really enjoy Enjoy just talking about it and sharing it with other people. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for coming on the show. It was great talking to you and looking forward to see more of your work. That's all from me, folks. Don't forget to share this episode with someone you know who likes photography. I had a great time putting this show together. And as always, keep clicking, stay safe and see you next week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 